Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome to everybody, another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. Indeed, it is One Man's Opinion, episode 118, that's right, season three uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying the digging the dolphins episode last week. And you, you dove into that. If not go back and uh, re-listen to that, check that one out. My surprise team of the year in there broke down uh, the dolphins from the highest of high ownership, all the way to the lowest of low. And think you realize why I think they're a sleeper team this season. My name is Jeff Manns. In case you're just stumbling upon this podcast, Appreciate you uh, tuning in and finding us, downloading, subscribing, liking, commenting. Uh, it's very, very appreciated over here. You could hear me weekday afternoon, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, hosting Elite Sports on that network. I'm also part owner over at fantasyguru.com, all things uh, fantasy sports, daily fantasy sports, sports betting, data analysis, the 2022 Fantasy Football Draft Guide is available over there at fantasyguru.com 24/7 access for all your fantasy daily and sports betting teams as well you could follow me on social media at jeff underscore mans on twitter the jeff mans on facebook instagram snapchat and tiktok don't forget tiktok my brand new fantasy football player profiles the jeff mans Boy, we are pumping those out by uh, pretty much daily at this point. And I guarantee you may think you knew everything about Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, all these players. And we're going right down the order of ADP. But I will pr- promise you I'll providing something you didn't know about each and every player every single day. The Jeff Mans on a TikTok. But it's not just me today, folks. Oh, no. I've got a very special guest on tap here today. You can tell by the title of this episode. It is the man you hear weekday afternoons with me producing the Sirius XM fantasy show Elite Sports. It is one of the most interesting people in the world. It's Sandro Anello, everybody. How are you, Sandro? I'm back, baby. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. <laughs> you are. It's the second time on the One Man's Opinion podcast, right? For you? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we did the group thing. I I feel like you were trying to feel it out. Like, can I have this crazy person on my podcast solo? So I'm glad that we finally graduated. Do I trust him enough? Do I not? What do we do? Of course, uh, I think you know the answer to that one, folks. By the way, at only Sandro on uh, on the Twitter, an absolute must follow. It's great, it's fun working with you. But as you know, we may joke quite a bit, you and I. But I've been a Sandro fan for many years now since pretty much one of your early days at Sirius XM and we have a lot of stories to tell things people probably didn't know we'll touch on that we'll get into a little bit of fantasy sports but you're going to want to hear about Sandro's life and his journey because it is a great story it should motivate some people make some of you feel sad and try to donate to his GoFundMe. It will, uh, it will inspire you hopefully here as well. But yeah, I've been a Sandro fan for a while. Sandro, I was, I knew you were different. Where, where was it? What was the first time you and you can remember you and I spoke or talked or something. So I, I got hired by Sirius XM in 2016. Okay. And I believe I worked your show with Fensty. I mean, Fensty was still with the channel right. on a, on a producer side. So yeah, it's, it's been a while. 
Yeah. And it was funny because I, the one, I don't know what it was, but you know, you have stories and we're going to get into it. We'll get into, yes, the apartment. Yes. We'll get into his riding a bike across the entire continent for crying out loud. We'll, we'll see. We'll really start peeling back the onion here of Sandro and Ello, everybody on this episode. I remember a time, I can't remember. You used to tell these stories and I'd be like, Man, this, you really, you lived in a van, you rode a bike across the, the country. You did all these unique things, but it was funny on air. It always worked. You were a character. And I remember I tried to hire you to do the Tommy G podcast. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I even got a chance to speak to Tommy, which I think is <laughs> rare. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I you were like, this is perfect for you. And I was like, okay. Yeah, uh, and I, I apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah, I, I, it would have worked. It just, I knew right away. I'm like, you know, we go, I've been through a lot of producers at Sirius XM. I've been there 12 years now um, and worked with a lot of different people and gr- real good, hardworking people, good producers and things. But you got like, there's a personality there. Are you aware? Like, do you get it? Or do you feel like, I always wonder if you think that we're being mean to you by joking around about your Quintus Cephas love or something like that? Or do you know that you have a unique perspective and bring that out? Like, are, are you aware of your kitschiness or uniqueness? I'm, I'm aware of it because I'm reminded of it, right? Like, so- By us? <laughs> by me? Well, I think by the listeners, by you know, my friends, I guess I I've always had the approach. Like if I've done something, it's not that crazy, right? I'm not I'm like super skilled at anything. I'm not a superhero. Like if, if I do something, then like other people can do it. But then like, you know, I have these ideas and people are like, I've never thought of that. Or you can't do that, which we've heard on a recent elite sports. Like I really don't like uh-huh. when people say you can't do something. So right. I, I guess I am aware of it just through hearing it, but I don't think anyone says anything to me in like a malicious manner. Like, it's just like, well, I never heard that before. Like, why would someone be in love with Chris Moore? You know, I I don't know. I just, just watch him play one day. He's my guy. Bet on birthday narratives and baseball and football and have the birthday algorithm and stuff. Again, we'll get into some of this as well. I find it unique. I always joke with you and I'm only half joking. I wonder like there has to be somewhere where we are related because there's so, there's a lot of unique things and what you, how you answered that last question that you are aware. It feels like I've started, I didn't know my, I was unique or different until like I got into my teenage years and late teenage and early twenties. And I started realizing, Oh man, it's very strange. And then it took even more. So as I got into broadcasting and writing and things that I had this unique perspective and it took a long time because I was threatened all the time by it. I did feel like people were kind of putting me down or not taking me seriously and things like that. And they, hell, they still do it to a, a good regard. But I think that there's all of, I think everybody starts out at least seeing the world differently or uniquely. And then unfortunately too many people all fall in. I think they get pressured to feel differently and to think differently or we all have to be the same. You know, we all are supposed to be the same, but I like the uniqueness. I like the differences we all bring to the table. And that's where I see that in you as well. Like that's why I think we're related somehow. It's like, man, I made a career of it. I'm like, I just, I just fan those flames all the damn time now. Cause I realize I, 
you know, it's what I believe. I believe Alan Lazard is going to be the top guy for the Packers. I believe that Cordero Patterson, they worth shit. Uh, you know, there's, and nothing's going to get me around that. Other people may find it different or are threatened by it because it's outside the box thinking. But um, so there's something, you ever think that, that you and I are way more similar than we may be in our base beliefs? Well, we, we text ourselves. I think that was our latest revelation of how we're similar. Oh my God, uh, I got one right here. Yeah. So, but uh, I, I kind of, and as I like reflected on my life a little bit in the last couple of years, I think the lack of awareness I had of myself and things going on kind of added to it. When I was an only child who mm. grew up in a divorced household, but yeah. to me that was normal because it was pretty much my whole life. Um, and like, you know, I rode a bike across the country. Like you said, we're going to get into that, but I didn't, I rode a bike with training wheels until I was like 13, 14, like, cause oh. there, no one really showed me how to ride a bike. And I remember riding around and like my friends, like, you don't need them. Like you're balancing. I'm like, but bicycles have training wheels. And they're like, well, no, ours don't. And I'm like the one, like 12, 13 year old riding around with training. And for me, it was like, whatever, this is just how my bike is. And yeah. I'm going to ride it. Like, you know, so, so I you was just training wheels on your bike at 12 or 13. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Just, and because the younger years of my life, I didn't have a bicycle. It was just like a family member ended up buying it for me. And I'm like, well, I'm a little bit behind the eight ball, but uh, yeah, just my friends are riding. I'm going to ride. You know, I never played, I never played baseball for like a a league that Uh that just wasn't a thing in my household. So like batting stances and all that, like, you know, I never, (laughs) I just went up there and swung the bat. My friends are like, what are you doing? Like, Did you, you know, play so, sports? Were you into sports at all when you were young? Yeah, so I played soccer. I mean, yeah, my yeah. parents immigrated here from Italy, so like soccer is the only sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked to play baseball once my friends tried to talk me into it. They, my parent, you know, my mom never signed me up. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, they signed me up for swimming, which I can't swim. It was weird. I, you know, quit that. I almost drowned. Really, you can't swim to this day. I, I can get around, but like, I'm right. going to doggy paddle my way to safety if I have to. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Not, <laughs> You're not like a lab. You're yeah. like my lab. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then I played football in eighth grade because growing up, mm. that's my, we would play football in, you know, the town, ta- in our, my town, in my town, every area was broken up into sections. So like if mm. your street started with C, all the streets started with C, we call that the C section. There was the D section, the A section. Wow. So we would say, you know, back then you would hop on the phone real quick. Uh, you know, no cell phones, still cord on the phone at my house. Everyone else had cordless, but you know, <laughs> Hey, where are we meeting up? Oh, we're going to a section. Okay, cool. We'll be there 15 minutes. You ride your bike down there. You're playing football with your friends. And then finally some friends talked me into playing football. So I played that for two years and then I wrestled in high school. So those are the three sports I played like in actual leagues. Yeah, that's more sports than I thought that you were playing back in those days, but you know what I mean? I, Cause uh, because of the passiveness of your parents growing up and stuff. So your parents immigrated here from Italy. Did you um, were, were like, so they were together. When did they like that start breaking up? My wife is product of divorce as well. I know it's difficult. My sisters and brothers um, have been through things like that. And you know, there's a, what happens a lot of times is especially as an only child, either they give you too much attention or they give you no attention. It seems like your side, they gave you almost no attention. You kind of were thrown to the wolves in a lot of, what age did that all happen? So my parents immigrated here separately okay, uh, and they met here. Okay. Uh, My grandma needed someone to do her taxes and my dad 
spoke Italian and he's an accountant. So that's how they met. He came back and my grandma's like, oh, this was so fast. She, he's like, no, I'm here to speak to your daughter. Uh, one of three daughters that she had. So uh, yeah, so then it lasted maybe five, six years, this marriage, because uh, they had me really close to it. They divorced when I was five. Okay. Uh, I, I, I know when I talk about my parents and Ted Schuster, it's the weirdest thing. Ted Schuster is the biggest <laughs> advocate of me talking to my parents because I really don't he, talk to anyone in my family. Wild. Right now. Yeah. 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 They are good people. Like they are mm-hmm. great people. Like they're not stealing, robbing. There's no mafia ties. Right. I don't think, you know, these are really great people. Oh, now that's about, there goes the rest of my questions. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know if, having a child was like a want more than like, you need to do this. This is the custom. This is the culture. Like right. you get married, you have kids and then they grow up. So um, I, I will say like that I, I did not have like a terrible childhood. I did not have a bad childhood. There was just definitely things that were, you know, like, yeah. like you know, parents, I, I was a single kid kind of left to myself You're right. and I was, I was with my imagination and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my dad moved away, which he'll say he didn't move away. But when I still live in New <laughs> Jersey and you're in Florida, that's moving away. I think that's a way. That's, that's enough of distance. Yeah. It's not like it's the that's not even the L block. That's I mean, that's the that's yeah, that's a different state. But different. I, I, I just don't think my mom knew what to do with a, a boy, boy child. Right. So we no interests like. We we're totally different people. She's very much like to herself. I was always out. And so mm-hmm. um, it, it was, it was just like a different world for them that were they younger know. or older? Were they older when they had, so they, were, they were older and I, the ages, yeah. I might be a little off, but like, I believe my mom was like mid thirties and my dad's oh, yeah, like yeah. eight or nine years older. So even in the oh, time, yeah, way older, that's yeah, late. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, um, Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Because, dude, when you talk like that, it is hilarious. It's it's hilarious because I resonate with it. I am the youngest, though. I had four older brothers and sisters still all here and now followed me to Arizona, by the way. But I was the youngest, and my parents were just fucking done. I mean, they were just, and again, not bad people at all. And I I make fun of my parents. They were dumb. No hard feeling. They were the nicest people in the world. Both have passed away since, but... The they were just fucking done having kids. They there was no interest. And it's not that they were mean or they didn't love me or anything like that. But it was just like, no, I'm out. I've got our own shit going on. I've raised these four other bastard kids and uh, and you figure it out. And that's what I, I was like. I would roam around the neighborhood figuring out with friends and what's going on here and there. Just the whole life. There was never like, OK, what you got to do. Here's how you ride a bike. I rode my bike late, too. I was probably like eight or nine. Because no, same thing. I never had a bike. Nobody told me to ride a bike. It wasn't until my buddies were riding bikes too. Same thing with ice skating or same thing with swimming as well. To my buddy, Tim Anderson, got a pool. And I'm like, well, nobody's ever taught me how to do any of this. I just jump in deep water. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Same kind of thing where they, you know, nothing bad. These were done. But I, I feel, yeah, there's two ways. You could sulk about it. And believe me, I've been to plenty of therapy to try to uh, not blame mom and dad. But I think it really helps you form your own ideals and ideas. And it's not maybe not the ideal way to grow up necessarily because you'd like to have those people to guide you. But it does. You, you found you figured it out. And I see that you are very independent. 
You are very set in your ways, if you will. You know what you like. You know what you don't like. You're also open-minded to try new things at the same time. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like you and I are similar in those regards. I, I wonder if it's because we just had old parents. You, you just reminded me of something too, a couple yeah. of things. I, I, uh, my mom signed me up for ballet, right? Oh, nice. Like no, yes. no boy wants to do that, but you know, I How did old? that. 22? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember the age, but I, I was, I was young. And then like, just one more thing to kind of, I guess, defend the parents a little bit. My mom yeah. worked really long hours. She commuted to New York, mm-hmm. which was like oh, a, an hour train ride alone so to get to the train you got to walk whatever amount of blocks she did that for the majority of her life and then my dad also worked two jobs so even Mm -hmm. before they divorced i do have memories of my dad pulling up to the street and i would wake up i would go to my window i'd be like oh dad's home i would go downstairs and meet him at the at the door often right and i like so they were they were hard hard working people um throughout their whole entire time so even I, i look back at like me now to relate like, oh, they yeah. were busy. They were like me like four right. or five years ago when I'm working multiple jobs to, to get by. And um, so, you know, that's, again, nothing nothing terrible with them. Um, but, you know, it's, if you want to talk about parents and figures, I mean, my uncle really stepped up at one point and that, that guy uh, was my true uh, like father figure for many oh, years. Yeah. And, and Did he kind live of by you? Lives close. And, uh-huh. and the, the, the comment, kind of brought to my attention later on was my aunt, my mom's youngest sister mm-hmm. kind of told him that like, Hey, he, he needs a, a figure, you know, right. you gotta, you gotta help this guy become a man. Right. So I, I also, I don't talk to my uncle anymore either. I don't talk to anyone, <laughs> but again, you know, not for negative reasons, right. Just drifted away kind of thing. No negative reasons, but it's me, Jeff. There's a problem yeah, with there's me. Always, <laughs> so, there's nothing wrong with you. You're okay, Sandro. Everything's okay. But yeah, uh, so I, I, I've taken I, what I believe is these qualities. You know, mm-hmm. some are inherited, right, through your your upbringing, and you don't really realize it. Uh, and then you know, I'm just, I'm just me. I, I look at things, I think, through more of like other people have it worse than me. And so I, I try, I try to say positive, even when well, I'm, that, I'm having a downtime. See, that's the healthy thing about, and that's not, there's not enough of that in the world is that empathy where instead of saying, I don't have this, I don't have this. I didn't have this. I don't, you know, the, we could do that all day for the reasons we are, how we are and all the shortcomings and all the people that have wronged us. But instead thinking about the other person saying, what is that person going through? What is that person? What has that person gone through? Why, you know, this lady who's yelling at me because I, you know, uh, turned too slowly on the road and she's now chasing me in her Volkswagen, you know, what's wrong with her? Something had to happen. She's having a bad day. Something's going on. There's reasons. And, you know, being empathetic, being able to let things go like that, I think is incredibly, uh, incredibly healthy. Uh, of a mindset and not easy to do, especially in this, this day and age, by the way. So you're going on, you're, you know, the family's broken up a bit, you get the male figure. Um, your uncle is teaching you things you're learning sort of as you go, where does it stand with the, the parents now? Cause you, you make some uh, every now and then the old man will hit you up. He thought you sold backpacks for a living. That was something that was a couple of years ago, right? I have, I have some bad news for you. Oh, no. He, uh, 
he that was a joke but you can't read tone or like there's no facial recognition when you say hey son do you sell backpacks (laughs) he claims that was a joke so yeah i I haven't talked to to him in a while Uh, Mm -hmm. he wrote me a letter recently and he Mm -hmm. asked if i still live at the same address in the mail Uh, that's yes i actually have it in my hands right now oh Uh, nice okay yeah um yeah i I don't know came in may so yeah i i don't know it's it's um the ted schuster's voice is in my head all the time whenever the parents come up like (laughs) but i and i have spoke to my mom recently uh she called i i have a new rule if they call and i'm not busy i'll pick up there you go and um i might have even called her back i don't remember because i might have been working but yeah don't listen to ted ted is the biggest fucking hypocrite that there is trust me on that like his whole thing with food i you know no offense to ted or his parents or anybody who i love his mom passed away a month after my mom or my dad did as a matter of fact like that was a weird time for ted and i but like he grew up in his house was a pigsty they ate absolute junk and garbage all the time so like he always now all of a sudden he gets into this Ooh, i won't touch anything he's so hoity-toity it's like ah I don't forget where you came from, man. You can say, I don't, I don't eat that shit anymore. Or I don't like that anymore, but don't forget. You got to always remember we're all those little kids scrounging around still, even though our taste buds and things change. So don't let Ted all of a sudden talk Ted terrible talking to his family that's scattered around the world too. So don't get, don't let, don't let his voice infiltrate your head so all right so you're getting older um so high school tell us about the the story about you being prom king how how did that happen i mean were you an incredibly popular guy in school or you know how did you end up being becoming the prom king in your high school my high school was pretty small Hmm. and so everyone knew each other even if they didn't hang out uh like but at some point you would have hung out. Like if someone's having a, a house party, you're just like, Oh, he's here. They, yeah. She's here. Uh, I didn't, my, my groups of friends also kind of changed as the seasons went on. So if I'm doing, if I'm, if I'm on the soccer team, right. If soccer is the, the sport that's going on or my freshman year, I played football. So I played, I hung out with football people, even though I was really what position. With, did you play? Oh, baby. I was a great tailback. Your tailback, yeah. I mean, you're fast. You've got that, that stocky. Well, yeah. I mean, used to be. We all used to be. At this point, you're older as well. But yeah, that's tailback. It's pretty good. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So with friends, it's like the, it changed with the season. So if I was wrestling, it's with the wrestling team. I was on the track team freshman year as well, even though I, I quit uh, because like running stupid. So it's <laughs> you know it's it's the oh, punishment no. of other sports. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I would hang out with the runners for a little bit, or then there's the music kids. And I was just all over the place. And at this point in high school, I was never home. I was always out. So no matter who it was, if you're hanging out and you're doing something as minimal as watching TV, playing video games, or you're going somewhere, like I was just doing something all the time. Like I I even, uh, I was one of the first kids to kind of have a cell phone and I, I signed for it. Like my, I had someone else's mom be like my parent guardian as I signed for it. And I had a prepaid oh, wow. cell phone. So I, I was just like on my own. It was just whatever you, I want to want to do. I'm doing. What was your first job? 
first job. It that's a combination of uh, Walgreens and okay. and working edible arrangements. It was a similar edible time. arrangements. How do you get really okay? That feels like that feels like. Uh, I mean, that really. What? How old were you at edible arrangements? Thirteen ish. Oh, twelve. How the fuck 13. can you so, do that? So my uncle, who uh, father figure uncle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he mm-hmm. was a huge like car car guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Huge into cars. Great work. I mean, did amazing work for custom like speakers and stuff like the yeah. stuff you see on um, Pimp, Pimp My Ride. Yeah, that yeah. was like like his, his calling. But he uh, and my aunt were kind of looking like to change their life up a little bit. So he they wanted to open up this edible arrangements for my aunt to own. So she didn't have to be in like the stressful corporate environment. And ah, okay. so he was like, he kind of put his dream on the back burner. And then through that, I, I worked w- at my uncle's store. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I got into that. But then that kind of like consumed my life. Cause then once I drove, I was going to high school f- during the day. And then I would work like nights right. at, at this store. Um, my aunt, my aunt uh, got cancer. And then that's kind of when I was like dropping some of my stuff to like help out the family. Right. That was like, all right. So I was still trying to do, um, you know, school. This is like later in high school. So like senior year, early college, but it was like, all right, family business stuff, even though I can't stand this, you know, I can't, I have no free time and then like going to school. So, but the, to answer the question about prom King, since I knew a lot of people, uh, I kind of brought this up on, on the elite sports show, like that day at, at prom, I was just going table to table and like, Hey, you know, you can vote for me. Remember we yeah. hung out in ceramics, you know? So <laughs> it, and it just worked out. And wow. And you got the vote. Dude, it's funny because you just rekindled my memory. My first job was because I pushed carts for my dad's grocery store in like 1983. That was really a job. I got paid in baseball cards, but I started also was 13, my first job job. And I don't know how, but it was 1990 and it was for the daily Herald newspaper. I would go door to door asking them to subscribe to the newspaper, asking them to get the newspaper. And, but we would go a van, like four or five teenagers, and they would literally just dump us off in neighborhoods. After school, we'd go to the, the hub, get in a van, and they would just dump us off, and they would, the van would come back. Again, no cell phones, no pagers, no anything. You just kind of hope that they'd come back. And like, I got left several times and other kids got left and we had to figure out ways home because something happened and the driver couldn't come back and get you and shit like that. And terrible fucking neighborhoods too. So, uh, boy, <laughs> those first jobs, uh, 13 years old. I can't even imagine that working uh, by today's standards, but so you did that. So you won the pot, the prom King, uh, were you into sports? So you mentioned you played some sports. Did you like, have a favorite team growing up? Did you root for a team? Did you watch games on TV at all? Seems like you were always outside. So I did. The only team I rooted for was the Saints. But again, later, this is later in life because I grew up in Jersey and everyone was a Giants or a Jets fan. What got me to the Saints was my dad brought me on a business trip to New Orleans. And I really like loved the way the city looked back then. 
And I remember like my friends were talking about football and the giants. And I was like, well, I'm in Catholic school and uh, uh, there's a football team named the saints. And I like the colors. So like that, that kind of, kind of what sparked it. And the, there's that famous game where they're like doing all the laterals to, and I forget the, what year this was, but they were doing a bunch of laterals to finally get to tie the game up. And then they miss the extra point and they like miss the playoffs or whatever. It's just <laughs> like, this is such a great story and team. And I just felt, I felt in that moment. I remember yeah. I was at my grandma's house John sitting Barney, on yeah, missed yeah. extra point. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I don't know. There was just something about that. And then later in life, I kind of, uh, started following the devils because of a friend in college, but I never followed stats bad. You talk about how you used to mimic batting stances. I never did any of that. I didn't have any like idols. You know, I watched some, some George, like I watched Michael Jordan, right. He was huge back then. Yeah. Uh, but like there was one TV in the house is me and my mom and she wasn't a sports fan. So right. we had Rye on, which you and I have joked about, which is Italian speaking television network. I don't even know how we got it. We didn't have yes. cable. Yes. So I would watch some soccer games uh, with my dad when I was uh-huh. at his house. And, and so, yeah, for the most part, like I didn't sports was not like a huge thing in my life, but if right. we were outside with friends, we're playing sports. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, it's something to do around the neighborhood or whatever you're watching Italian soap operas, by the way, like the Italian soap operas were they is like, so was it like full frontal nudity and stuff in, in those things? Because that's what I imagine at least. In Italy, they were uh, when my mom had it on. It was the news. So even oh, worse, you're a child. Italian news. <laughs> Italian news. Um, yeah. and, you know, like you don't want to watch that. So you're just playing with your Legos in the background. Car accident while... in Napoli. You're like, oh no, like what's <laughs> yeah, going like, on there? Whatever. <laughs> so what? So at one point, did say so what age did you get to high school? Then you go off to college. And did you go to college right away? Or yeah, I it- went to I went to community college right uh-huh. out of like in in high school. My grades weren't great, but because yeah. I I was a forward thinker, Jeff, uh-huh. my my mom was telling me for many years before college was an idea like, hey, you should go to a trade school. College isn't your thing. Like she right. knew I didn't care about school uh, compared to her. I mean, she's like the 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 best student of all time. And her son is this kid that's, you know, uh, you know, he has like no front tooth cause he like smashed a pickle jar or whatever I did. I forget the, the full story, but like not your kids, front tooth out. Yeah. Yeah. What, how um, old were you then? I, I was really young. I was like maybe eight. eight? Yeah. No, younger, probably younger. Cause I had a babysitter, with pickles, uh, huh? but yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, uh, with, with, <laughs> I went to community college. My counselor was like, you're never going to get any school with these grades. And I'm like, I'm going to Brookdale. Like, that don't, yeah, we're just, we used to call it UCLA because it was the uh, university closest to Lincroft, uh, Lincroft area, which is like a UCLA, Monmouth County yeah. joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Did- I knew I was going to go there. I just knew I was going there. I didn't need the grades. You just get in and you, right, you, you do your go. community college. Yeah. And, spe- and uh, what point did you end up riding the bike? <laughs> like across the thing. So, I mean, that this was like, were you out of school by then? Or like, did you take a hiatus? When, when did this, what's the timeline with the, the bike riding across country? So the, the bike ride was my quarter life crisis. Okay. I, 25. I, yeah, roughly 25. So I, I graduated high school 07. Yep. I went to community college for roughly two years. 
halfway through, I decided I don't want to go to business anymore. I do go to business school. I want to go for radio. I transferred to Rowan University in roughly 09. Uh, then I, I had already started working in radio two years before I graduated. It was pretty much right after I transferred. What was your first job in radio? I was a, a board operator. I worked at the, one of the, uh, the biggest talk station in Philadelphia. How'd you get on, that, on the you get side. that job? So uh, I was <laughs> walking. Hey, I, I was working at the, the college radio station and the general manager came up to me. He's like, Hey, I, I know you, you know, what do you want to do? I told him. And he's like, I said, music, I want to work in the music side. He's like, no, that that's not music's not where you want to go. So he's like, but if that's really what you like here, I, uh, I can get you a job interview. And it was for a music station, an oldies music station. I didn't get the job. It was to work the board overnights. And they're like, you just have to sit here two hours and stare at the board. You don't have to do anything, but you're not qualified. So we're not going to hire you. He said, uh, I went back to the college and I went to the GM. I'm like, I didn't get it. He's like, you're an idiot. I don't know how you F this up. He's a very, very blunt guy. Great guy. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, I got you another interview. Don't, don't F this one up. And I went, I interviewed and they hired me that day Nice to, to work on, in political talk, like working an actual board and doing, uh, you know, cutting audio and a lot of this stuff I do today. So I wasn't qualified to sit and babysit, but I was qualified to run a, a big talk station. Um, <laughs> right. I, irony. Yeah. And then uh, I graduated still working yeah. in radio, but then I was looking for full-time that PD in a very nice way was like, Hey, you're never going to get full-time in this industry. It's too well, hard. What was it about radio? Let me interrupt before we get to the bike ride stuff. Like what was it about radio that drew you in? Cause that's interesting. You were in business school. And then like to go into radio, where did, was that a fascination of yours as a kid or what? So I listened to a lot of radio music though, not talk. It was all music. I was really I, big into music. And for my age, I was big in like current stuff, but classic rock as well. And I was like listening to everything. And there was just something about that, like one-on-one -on -one communication, you're listening to the radio. Then when I started working at Edible Arrangements overnights, it's me either talking to myself or <laughs> I'm listening to the radio. Yeah. And that, that was big. A part of the reason why I originally went to business school was my parent, my mom was like, if you're going to go to school and you know, you're kind of like doing stuff with your uncle, go and learn business. Maybe you can own a business one day. And then I realized yeah. quickly that you don't need a, sorry, people, you don't need a business degree to own a business. You need a good <laughs> plan and some money. That's it. You don't need schooling on it. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous that they a college would teach you that you need a business degree to do that. So I just walked into the counselor's office. I said, I want to switch to radio. Like if I'm going to go to school, I'm going to go for something I like. I've been going my whole life doing all this nonsense that I don't want to do. <laughs> learn all this and bullshit. Yeah. Yes. So like, let me finally learn something I want to learn. And I fell in love with it instantly. And I like never looked back. Were you um, listening to talk radio back in those days? Or were you listening to music stations? It was I would say 95% music talk was yeah. not even like really on my radar. Uh -huh. um, even when I went to college, I, it was all music driven. It was be a DJ, be behind the microphone and play songs. And then did you think you were going to be a DJ or did you have like your DJ name? Like DJ Sadro up at house. Yeah. You're going to think I'm pulling your leg with this. Uh -huh. uh, my, my first DJ name that I was like kind yes. of, pushing out there with Xander. No way. Really? Yeah. Why? 
How did that come about? I, I don't remember if I heard someone else named Xander and thinking to myself, like, he won't be around when I'm when I'm ready. Like maybe I, the triple X like was, movie was out, maybe. I, I don't I, I just remember like there was just something about the name because you know, my my name is Sandro. Yeah, but that's technically a nickname. My full name, which isn't my birth name, but but the traditional name is Alessandro, which no. translates mm-hmm. to Alexander, and then Sandro is actually yeah. Xander. Yeah, and okay. so that was kind of where I was, I was going with that. And then my tag out was always your one song closer to the weekend. And like, yes, so, <laughs> yes, yes. Ah, we're talking. Yeah. All right. You got to have that sign. Not deuces though, huh? No, go no, never, never deuces. <laughs> never yeah. Deuce. And, one song closer to the weekend. Oh man, you, you had it. What? So you you work the board. And for a political station now this what year is this is the political station are we talking like after 08 yeah this was like 2010 2009 2010 oh my god dude that man i so like back in the day i knew people that worked at the political stations and and we there was a political show my first the first station i ever worked at was wdcb in uh, Glen Ellen, Illinois, is the, is the local college radio station there for our uh, uh, the local community college as well. And I used to do a sports show and I would come on uh, first. I used to write for the community. Uh, I used to cover the college women's soccer team, women's basketball team. Eventually, I worked up to men's basketball and I used to do hits on there. And I did I finally got a, a half hour show on there. But I used, there used to be a political thing and it was just like normal talking about, oh, you know, our property taxes are going up and things like that. But when you're in a big market in 2010 plus talking politics, my God, I mean, that that's a tough thing to do. I couldn't fucking handle it. Like our politics have gotten so terrible, you know, and um, my God. So, I mean, it was that just like, was this as intense as I feel it was programming that board? Not at all. It was, it was amazing. Cause what broke it up to was I was also working these like not so political shows, like a doctor show. I was working a Mr. Fix it show. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I would just say yes to whatever shift. And for me, like, and I hate to say this cause I still kind of have this philosophy. Sorry, Jeff, but like, I really Uh don't care what comes out of the speakers as long as I'm in it, you know, the, as long as the host is well-informed and understands the objective, which is entertainment and information, that makes my job easier where I can just focus on what I need to do to enhance the product that that host and that message the host is trying to put out oh, there. Boy. Well, and that's the wrong show then on serious. <laughs> no, I, 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 <laughs> you like to say that, but that's the opposite. I, people, I'm not, not just saying this. Jeff is probably one. Well, no, Jeff is one of the best hosts I've ever worked with because he understands the mission and it's, it's great. I mean, it's oh, just nice. great to, to, to work. Uh, in that environment because for a while there were times where I wasn't in that environment. And, um, but yeah, so it it wasn't, for me, the content wasn't really an issue because my hosts were really good and informed and, and some of them really trusted me to like help them with like, Hey, you should tease this, or we should crush this segment. We should go to calls. Like they were very, uh, they were very like willing to listen to me and some weren't but they were like the bigger time people. And I was like, all right, well, you already know what your people want. So I'll just stay in my lane right now. 
See, and that, I think that's is such an underrated skill that you have and bring to the table and you're talking about there because to stay in your lane and to understand what the premise is, you get it. That's why I love work with you and Phil is that you guys really understand what it is for me. And you know, this about me, I, I, and this is a part of me that I fucking hate about myself. I judge everything. I couldn't be indifferent to what comes out. I couldn't, I just can't do it. But if you're producing the show, you need to. And especially if you're whether you're a program director or a producer or anything on the station, you, you have to, as long as the mission is like you're, you stated perfectly is being served. That's the right way to do it. Cause if you're starting police and say, I agree or disagree with that, there are too many people like me these days that have opinions on everything and we get in each other's way and we're the ones fighting with each other all the time. So kudos to you to understand that mission and being able to, sort of weed everything else out except what the objective is. How do you present a quality program to the listeners the best you can? I, I think that's, it's so underrated in the, in the um, radio industry, but also you know, podcasts and live stream, all that kind of shit nowadays, Manning casts, <laughs> you know, there's not enough people, producers behind the scenes to understand what the objective needs to be. Right. Yeah, yeah, well, and I think that's partly because a lot of people that get into the broadcasting industry, they want to be the host. They right. want to be that focal point. And that was never my goal. Yeah. My, I understand that I am a excellent four. I am an I'm a good three. I'm an okay two, and I'm a terrible one. Now, what do I mean by that? Jeff is a one. That's He's the cool. lead host. Okay. He's that. That's a one. A two is a co-host. That's a Ray. That's a Ted. A three is is Phil and I'm a four. I'm just the, I'm the last resort when it comes to, Hey, we need another opinion. Let's get the guy who should be like, not really in the room right now. Like that's, <laughs> I'm good at that. Cause yeah. I know, you know, that's where I stand. You know, a lot of people say, why don't you start a podcast? Well, I don't like talking to myself on microphone. You know, right. I, I, I like to have someone there with me, but uh, you know, there's just, hasn't been like, great opportunities where I've found like a good podcast partner. Right. And that's, and that's a big deal. It's a big thing. Nowadays, people think, Oh, I'll just turn on mic. I'm so interesting because my husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, mom, dad, sister, brother really like what I have to say at Thanksgiving dinner. It's like, well, that doesn't mean you're carrying a show and you should be presenting your thoughts and ideas to the world. It takes a lot more than that. And you're right, but we need people, you need teams the best radio show, I'm a radio connoisseur, if you will. And it, I just love it. I've loved it since I was a little kid, Bob Collins, Wally Phillips growing up in Chicago. And that, you know, that became fucking Sally, Jesse Raphael on overnights, giving relationship advice. My mom would listen. So I would listen. I was, I would listen to the radio 24 hours a day. There's a song by the Ravens from like 1982. It's called raised on the radio. And it's like my, backdrop you know it was just who i was and you know it was my favorite toy and all that so i i grew up with that and i became mike north and dan jiggets and dan bernstein and terry boars in chicago and then nationally mike mac and mike and the mad dog and howard stern man cow all these guys i got to saw all these shows and i've loved it but it, all successful shows to your point sandra have a team behind them have very important whether it's a side, whether it's a co-host, sometimes it's a team, 
you know, even fucking I don't like it, but like Eric and Kathy back in the Chicago days, there's always everybody's got an Eric and Kathy, you know, that just works because it's nice and you could put it on in your dentist's office or whatever. But there's producers behind the scenes. There's a programmer. They're, they're selling the right kind of advertising. And it's, it's a machine. It's 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 like a good television show or a good song with the band or something. Everyone's doing their part to make it great. I do believe we have that on the lead sports on Sirius XM with me, you Ray, Ted and Phil. Like I do believe it. it's because everyone knows your role and does the right thing. It's just what you talked about. And with that, everybody trying to be everything else, you know, that they're not just being themselves and that makes it fun and entertaining. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you want to get to the bicycle trip now? Yeah. I yeah, like yeah I want to get question. to the bike. Yeah. Let's go to the bike trip. So, uh, the one last thing about work was this is what kind of pushed me over the edge. I, mm. I worked four years in Spanish television. I speak no Spanish, Jeff. Oh my so God. I, I, that, this is when I, I started to really evaluate what, what am I doing? Am I going to pursue radio or mm. am I going to just work in this office job in television? Cause I wasn't even in the creative side. I was, I was doing like behind the scenes stuff for, what were you doing in sp- for a spent? You're selling Spanish. So I, I was building the logs for the computer program. So when you watch a TV show, uh-huh. right? Like family guy, yeah. the first segment is <laughs> 12, <laughs> is 12 minutes and 21 seconds. And uh-huh. then the second segment has time. And then I, I had to make sure that the commercial breaks and the skeleton of the commercial breaks were in the proper spot and the right, like, triggers would set off when the segment ended for it to switch the commercials and so again what i'm people are falling asleep right now listening to this and they're like (laughs) this is the worst freaking job in the world yeah i know i lived it this is what really pushed me to uh to move in a different direction and at the same time i was still working in the 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 radio job i Mm -hmm. i used to say to my my industry friends the full-time TV job paid for the radio addiction because the radio money was not there. I could not survive Doesn't on that. Exist, yeah. And then I was also an on-air DJ on the uh, at a rock station yes. a, on the beach. I, I broadcasted from a boardwalk. Was- Nickelback coming at you, <laughs> DJ Xander. Yes. Yeah, I, I went by Sandro back. I, I ch- uh, decided to go with the regular name. I never did the nickname thing. But yeah. So then two, 2015-ish, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I'm committed to this. I'm going to, I'm going to be a radio producer. I, and no one's calling me back. They're saying, mm-hmm. I don't have experience. Don't leave Philadelphia to top 10 market. You're stupid kid. I was applying everywhere. Casper, Wyoming, all these like small markets. Wow. So okay. I, I moved into the van uh, roughly in this time period, 2015, 2016 uh, to, because a lot of these program directors were like, no, you're living, you know, you just, you know, you're in a good market. Like you don't want to get rid of that. So then I moved into the van and I was like, are you telling me living in a van in Philadelphia is better than moving to your small market? I, I, I will move there tomorrow. I will sleep in your parking lot. I'm ready to work. Let's ride. And so I was working the corporate job, living in a van and I'm talking to friends and I'm like, I'm going to walk across the country. Walk, hmm. not ride. Walk. Okay. Then one of my buddies, after all these people said I was crazy, a buddy said, would you ride? And I said, we are riding. Yes, you and me, <laughs> we are riding. He's like, no, no, I'm just asking. I'm like, no, you, you hate your job. I hate my job. I, we got a third roommate because I was living with roommates at the time, with college friends. I'm like, this guy's quitting his job. He's trying to hold off 
be an adult anyway. Us three, we will ride across the country. Jesus. And we didn't own bicycles. We didn't do any training. We didn't do any long distance riding. But these two guys, Phil and Nick, individually invited me to their houses because I was living in a van. They're like, hey, you want to have a, a warm meal tonight? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I'm there, parents like, oh, let me get let me get you a water or whatever. Friends are like nudging me like, eh, tell my parents that we're doing the bike thing. I'm like, you oh. sneaky people. <laughs> That's why you're over. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, you know, I went on the bike ride uh, late April, early May in 2016. And I left from New Jersey and we ended up in San Francisco. How many days did this take? How long of a ride was it? We know across the country, but how long does it take? Roughly 85 days. And that included Jesus. the like uh, roughly two weeks of like rest days, right? Some cities you would stay in for a couple of days, like Indianapolis, the Indy 500 was going on. We didn't go to Indy 500, we went to Carb Day, which is a an event that happens a couple of days before. And like right. in Denver, we spent a couple of days there. St. Louis, we spent a couple of days. So when you combine all the days together, it's roughly 85. What's the craziest thing you saw on your bike ride across the country? Craziest thing? I saw, well, I, I didn't see this, but this is the craziest thing that, that happened. I was sleeping outside of a library okay. in somewhere, Colorado. This is right outside of Denver. And uh, by this time, one of the friends had actually gone back home for a family event. He left all his equipment in, in Wichita, Kansas. Oh, Jesus. So, uh, so it was just me and Phil uh -huh. sleeping outside of this, this library. I forgot my tent poles in Colorado, in uh, Denver. I left them there by mistake. So oh, we had boy. to, we had to share a tent and dead tired. I definitely had altitude sickness. Like it was a very tough riding day. Yeah. We're, sleep, we're sleeping. And I don't, I thought it was a dream at first, but there was something like sniffing around and like pawing at the, the tent. Uh oh. So I, I, I let it, I let it lie. I legit thought to myself, like, if, if this is how I die, fine. I made it to Colorado. Like <laughs> I made it almost there next morning. I wake up and I'm like, Hey, Hey buddy. Um, uh -oh. I had this weird dream that there was like something pawn. And he's like, Oh, I had the same dream. And I was just like, if this is how I die, I'll die. We had the same exact moment. And this, we were like, Oh no, dude, we were literally about to die. Like when we were packing up, I believe like one of the locals was like, Oh, there was a bear or some sort of like wolf or something like around. And we're like, Oh yeah, we almost died. But, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just typical. Was it, I mean, how, how do you make it, it yeah, going up there? I, I would imagine you mentioned altitude sickness, but like just, just the riding up those mountains. I mean, you're not through the mountains, obviously you're going through the valleys in there, but the altitude just going, even the steady increases. I mean, how taxing was that? Most people say when you ride across the country, again, the only training we had was through YouTube videos and maybe talking yeah. to a couple of people along the way as after we started. Mm -hmm. Most people say you go west to east because of the wind direction. The west. Oh, like, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. A, Good it's idea. a tailwind. Yeah, it's true. But, but we went east to east west, to west. Oh, which boy. I actually think was better because the mountains on the east coast are more jagged, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this steep up. And then steep down and all day, you're just slow ride up, quick down, slow yeah. ride up. And that's your whole day. You'll go like 20 miles. It will take you like all day just because you're quick up and down, up and down. Colorado is way better. And the, the West Coast 
mountains are better because it's, it is that steady up. So you knew, all right, I'm going to pedal steadily for hours to go up, but you're also going to have that steady down. That's for hours as well. And that was such a better ride. But if we didn't go through the East coast mountains first, I don't know if we would have had the stamina to get through the desert of like Nevada in the middle of the summer. And if we would have been able to kind of do the, the Denver like Colorado mountains. So the, the desert in Utah and, and Nevada, I, I really think back and I'm like, I would have never made it to the East coast, but going East to West, the wind sucked going that way, but it trained like the rest of the terrain trained our bodies to finally get up the speed. Did you, what did you get from it? Like, you, know, you go on it, you had to be looking for something or did you have moments like epiphanies at all? And, you know, is there any moments of that? Cause you, you think, I think, it, you know, Forrest Gump movies and you, you know, he comes to realization at some point, was there any moments like that, that happened to you either on the journey or maybe even after that you just kind of realize, all right, you know, you just got some sort of you know, clairvoyance or something. So I, I had a sign with me that said, you know, are you ri uh, riding oh, yeah. from New Jersey to California? Are you hiring a radio producer? So forgot about the sign. Yeah, that was the objective. And that's what kept my head clear in a sense of, mm -hmm. again, going back to earlier in this pod, like if I've done it, anyone could do it. When we got to San Francisco, I turned to my buddy. I said, uh, dude, if like, he's like, like almost in tears, he's so excited. I'm just like, this is great, but like, I feel like anyone could have done it. Like, you know, it's just this weird thing where I can't be happy. Um, right. But after the bicycle trip, and I kind of relate this to everything that I do now still, I, the bicycle trip is the best metaphor for life. And, and right. like my, my goal in my career and like anything that I set my mind on it, right? So the goal was to go from New Jersey to San Francisco. The mm -hmm. first third, we didn't have a map. We kind of winged it. Wow. So just like life, you have a goal. Like you want to go from here to there. You want to buy a bigger house. You want to buy a Mercedes. You want a better job, whatever it is, whatever. Like you have the ultimate plan. We thought it was going to take a month, maybe two months. Took closer to three months. So that's that derails you a little bit, right? In yeah. the middle of the trip, we switched up the way we were going to go. And then we connected to these maps that I bought. So even when you're following a map at a certain point, you still have things that get in the way, like a flat tire or it's raining too much today. We've got snow in Colorado. So like these little things that put hiccups in your ride, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I was supposed to go 50 miles today, but I only went 30. Well, I was still 30 miles in the right direction. So maybe tomorrow I could do the 50 or even make up for the, the 20 miles I missed. Right. And at the end of the day, as long as we were getting closer to San Francisco, uh, everything was going to be all right. Even my worst, our worst day where like we legit almost died, ran out of water. It was a hundred and like 20 miles stretches between towns, no amenities in between. Again, my one buddy, Phil is like freaking out. And I'm like, I know that we're in a terrible spot, but this is the best moment of my life right now. <laughs> and he hated it. Cause that's the one time I smiled yeah. when we're, we're on the brink of almost dying, but you know, Did, where was the most stranded you felt at what point was, what was the most stranded you felt like, Oh my God, like I'm no, like we are in the middle of nowhere. And did you ever run into any, 
a crazy weather, any tornadoes, anything like that to the Midwest or something? There, there was two points early on. It was in PA. PA took forever. It took like two weeks and it was really? terrible because your friends would be like, oh, I could come pick you up. I'm like two hours away. It's like, I've been right. on this bike for like five days. Don't tell me that. Like, I'm, you're getting me mad. But then we got stuck in a cabin because it was snowing. It was freezing. Oh. And we were like, when did you leave? Uh, May, April, April, May, late. Like, and it was, it was still like, snowing because we're so high in the mountains. It just, it rained every day for the first two weeks. And then when we got up to the mountains, it was even worse because uh, it was cold. So it was kind of snowing a little bit. It was freezing temperatures. And so we, but it was good because it was also like, a, a, like early on without training, we got, we were able to rest a little bit and kind of like reevaluate what we were doing. And then the second time I felt lost was it kind of in Utah, this stretch that I was just talking about where there was no amenities. You, you know, you're, we're sleeping outside with like, I had like a can of beans or something. We're living off that. We knew we we're going to run out of water. Our only goal was to get to this one spot where there was a convenience store. And when we got there, the sign said, Hey, sorry, we closed early. And wow. our whole goal was to get there by an hour before they closed. We got there like at the time we were expecting. And when we got there, Hey, we closed early. Um, but it's brutal. Yeah. So that, those were the two times when like kind of feel felt a little lost, but like, as the trip went on, you felt more comfortable just sleeping outside in like no tent. And it's like on the side of the road versus trying to find like actual safe shelter. I how forget did, the other question you asked though. <laughs> how, well, how did you get to then XM? Like you got back and that's when you started. I mean, you, the bike was in 2015 and then eventually you found some, it was a serious XM call you from your bike ride. Yeah, Matt, Matt Deutsch, Matt Deutsch here, uh, yeah. call, called me like t- two or three days after I finished the trip in San Francisco. I was legit. Uh, I think by then I had returned the bicycle for a full refund in San Francisco. And I was just walking around with my duffel bag of all my belongings from the trip. And I took the I interviewed with with him um, in the streets of San Francisco. And then uh, I was on a bus from LA back to San Francisco. Cause I went to LA for a couple of days and I got the call from Sirius that, Hey, you're hired. And they gave me a month to get back. Wow. Boy. And uh, how did you get back? You turned in the bike in San Francisco. I, uh, yep. Returned the bike for a full refund. And then I went back to Jersey. <laughs> so I had to get my van back to my home. Uh, yeah. and then I was kind of staying with a friend in South Jersey. I, I bought a car uh, mm-hmm. so I owned a van and a car. The car was to Uber. Cause I still, I needed money uh, that right. month. I wanted to start sooner, but they, they gave me a month. I'm like, I need money. So I signed yeah. up for Uber. I was doing that around Philadelphia for like two, three weeks just to get nice. by. Mm-hmm. I got into an accident with my, oh, my van, but okay. which is great because I took the option where, uh, insurance cut me a check instead of yeah, getting instead the full of- on repair that yeah. helped me survive for a little bit down in the DC area. But yeah, I, it, yes. the, the whole, yeah. the bike trip will never work thing really came together uh, right as soon as the trip ended. And I really believe that was just positive thinking yeah. the, the radio, like getting a job was full, full focus on my mind, even though the bike trip was actually supposed to be me, not, stressing over not finding my career yet because I was applying and getting rejected constantly for, for years at this point. 
We are peeling back the onion on Sandro Anello here, producer, Elite Sports, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, at only Sandro on the old Twitter machine as well. So then when you're called by Sirius Fantasy Sports, were you into fantasy sports at all growing up? Because you were like, kind of you're in, you played it more than you watched or followed. Were you, when did you start playing fantasy sports? Like when you started at the radio station? My no, no. So I, I did play years before I have my friend, Rob, who him and I in high school, it, he was one of the guys I was always out with. He's the huge sports guy. Yeah. He was he and his parents didn't care that we were out all the time or we could just chill in his basement whenever. And he was huge into fantasy sports. He got me in my first league, which I'm still in today. The two quarterback standard league with 12 teamer, which I tell him every year needs to be a super flex, but <laughs> it has IDP. And we were like the first IDP group out of all, all the people uh, in my town. So he, he got me into it. And then when I was in college, there was a couple of fantasy sports leagues that I was in all football. Uh, and then even at, at my radio job, there was a, a fantasy league. So I wasn't huge into it. Like I look back and I think of like a lot of my mistakes of like drafting Drew Brees, like in the first or second round, just cause I'm a saints fan. Right. And you know, there, I wasn't, I wasn't seeking out the advice of Jeff Manns or anything. I was kind of just doing my own thing. I wasn't winning. I wasn't like fascinated with stats, uh, but I would watch football on Sundays, whether it was at work or with my friends. And uh, I started to get more into it. Uh, kind of before the bike trip, I guess. Like I remember on the bike trip, I was talking about Paxton Lynch a lot and I was in a keeper league of like, we, one of the, one of the guys I was on the trip with, he was in this keeper league with me. So we would talk about like strategy when our keepers were due. Uh, But I, I don't want to say I lied when I talked to Matt about my yeah yeah. oh yeah a lot more was that part of by the way i've always wondered that i don't does he ask or did he you know when he ran the station that you need to have fantasy sports knowledge to be a producer because i i know i've worked with plenty that had no idea what this even was i don't believe it was a big part of the interview i think it was it was a small part of it and i do remember they didn't catch on to my joke. I kind of jokingly said like, Hey, if you could rank the New York office versus the DC office, who's your number one pick. And Rob Tuesday was on the call as well. And Matt like gave who his number one draft pick would be. And then Tuesday gave his, and I'm like, Oh, I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't correct them. Cause at that time, whatever, but I joked in land. Yeah. So I, I do remember saying to them like, Oh yeah. I, you know, I football is my one. Uh, and baseball and basketball are two because I, I think at that time I did do a bas- a basketball league and a baseball really? league, but I didn't. It was like I'm just a filler guy and I wasn't setting my lineup. So right. uh, football was always king, and I I was following the sport uh, a lot. Uh, I was following football, not really from the fantasy side, but it was always cool to like play. Um, like DraftKings was starting to get big bigger. Right. So I remember setting like baseball lineups and I don't remember if they were cash games or if they were GP. I think they were all GPPs. Cause like, Oh, we could win a million dollars. Let's do this. Let's set a lineup. Right, and right. You know, so, yeah, like, so fantasy was kind it was part of like, just like the friendship in a way. Yeah. Did you, were you producing the Joe P. Zapia show that night that I won the hundred grand on 
Was that no, you? I, I don't think somebody? he was there yet. I, I wasn't there yet. Um, I think Joe was, wasn't there uh, by the oh, time yeah, I that got was, there. Yeah, shoot. Yeah. Because this was, is 2016 when I got Right, I think this was 2015, technically. Okay, yeah, all right. I swear, I can't remember who called me. Whoever that producer was was relentless. Some reason I started thinking, I'm like, that must have been Sandro. <laughs> because I'm like, you know, a young producer, just relentless that gets after it uh, to get the story. I was half in the bag at the Playboy Mansion, winning a hundred grand, and they're like, "You gotta come on, you gotta get on." And I finally went, "All right, let's go." Um, all right, so it's like, what were your first impressions uh, working on the Fantasy Station? Was it you're like, "Oh my God, this is not real radio, or this is a whole different thing"? What were, what were your impressions to start? It, it was never that. It was so when I when I'm doing a job. Doesn't matter if I'm, you know, uh, cleaning barber shops late at night, working construction, delivering. Like I need to understand everything, and I kind of shut down a little bit. Like I don't, you know, my personality doesn't come out because I, I want to be able to get to the minimum standard of what that place is. So when I got to Sirius, I, I, I had actually turned down a full time job in a smaller market, and I accepted the part time job mm-hmm. at Sirius. Uh, and I, to me, it was. I'm going to go with the bigger company part-time versus a smaller company full-time because I think there's more opportunity and growth at this part-time thing. So when I got there, it was like real is business, right? right? We don't need to tell people that I, I live in a van and that I, uh, you know, ride a bicycle <laughs> right now. We need to just learn what these buttons do. Right. So, and, and the, the best example I give to people is like one of the first shows I worked on was Lisa and Lisa yeah. Ann show. Mm-hmm. I did not know that this Lisa Ann was that Lisa Ann, if you know what I mean. Like, right. I didn't know they were the same people. Mm-hmm. And it took me like maybe six months to figure it out because I was six getting- Six months? Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, just I, I, was, I would feel like Twitter would have alerted you to that much sooner. Well, so I, I started to put two and two together when I was getting like these D-picks in the DMs of the company account, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't put two and two together because for me, the experience working with her was, well, I don't know that side of her. Plus, I didn't really, I, you know, I don't I, I'm a, I didn't know like porn star names. Right. And right. so when I worked with her, I worked with the fantasy fanatic Lisa. I didn't work with the, the adult industry Lisa. So right. I, I had always separated the two, even when I met certain big name hosts at Sirius and they would ask me for details. I'd be like, bro, I really don't see her that way. She's a huge sports fan and that's who I know. So even when I'm working with you and other shows, like in the moment, like I'm trying to understand what you, your preferences are as a host, because in my mind I'm calculating like, okay, he likes rock music. I need to make sure I come in with rock music. So the learning the, uh, the hosts and what they're doing, like comes, naturally after i kind of figure out like all right this is what this button does and then this host likes when i play this fart noise so keep that in mind and then i have a notebook of like host likes fart noise this host doesn't like fart noise uh, am i a fart noise or no fart noise at the moment you you would appreciate a good fart noise at the right time but our, yeah. our the show the lead sports is not a a drop heavy show ah, so you know gotcha. you you uh yeah i would say that it would be accepted but it's right. not always welcomed. It's not going to be a constant. Yeah. Not yeah. Gonna, pfft, all yep. the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I got that. That's a good read. That is knowing your host very well. What's the first memory you have of working with me I, or meeting me? Do you, do you remember? I have, I've got a couple 
that I recall, but I'm curious if you're on the same level. So I remember meeting you mm. in New York. We met at yeah. that uh, minor league Yankee. I forget the name of it. Staten that stadium. Stan on. Yeah. We met there and I was like, just staring at you. Wasn't Florida before that? No, no. Uh, Florida was after. See, I thought Florida was before that. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, Staten Island I, Yankees. Yeah. I apologize now because I treated you like I did MJD. I was just staring uh, for different reasons. MJD. I was staring at, cause I'm like, damn, he's kind of shorter than I expected. Uh, and then you, I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's a monster. He's so tall, but it's also <laughs> Jeff man's like, I'm finally meeting that voice. Uh, yeah. Does that MJD- shock? Everyone does that. Every, a lot of people in the fantasy industry, when we get to events, that's something they say, they don't comment. They're nice. They don't say my face is yeah, it's grotesque like it is, but they do say I'm taller than people thought. Yeah. I mean, you were in a suit. You looked important to me. I, you know, I was <laughs> just right, like this, yeah. this is him. And um, yeah. And then we did, the part, yeah. we did meet in Tampa right. uh, at one of the FSGA events. Um, that That's was where you were like sleeping on the fucking bench. And I'm like, what is going on here? I'm like, I'm like worried about you. And you're like, nah, man, this is, that's what I do. I, I okay, but dude, you have a room, right? I was really concerned about you. I'm like, oh, okay. And then yeah. we took his cab back to the airport together, I believe, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, uh, hold, was, hold on. We took yeah. an Uber. I kind of just hopped in. I was like, oh, you're going to the airport? Yeah, I'll go there too. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. tired of walking around Tampa yeah. with my my two gallon jug of water in my suitcase. Yeah, you have, have a giant jug of water. It's so strange. I have a problem, Jeff. Even with the high stakes leagues, they had me go to New York. They're like, uh-huh. oh, you got to book a hotel. I'm like, nah, New York's the city that ever sleeps. I just went there and I slept at Penn Station after the event. And Jesus. then I went home when my train came in at six o'clock in the morning. You know, uh, I have a I have a problem with like spending money when I don't need to. But uh, you know, you'll be reimbursed for that money. You just don't trust I, that you'll be reimbursed. Or- I know, I know, I'll get reimbursed. But like uh, that, this is the businessman in me. It's like, why waste the money on a hotel room? I'm going to be in for two hours. Like, mm-hmm. why why even go through that? I could I could sleep on the floor. It's fine. It's <laughs> it's not terrible. Uh, you know it. Hey, I went, I went for a job interview once for a radio station in Cleveland. And, um, I, they were like, Hey, we'll fly you out here or whatever. We'll get you a hotel room. I was like, no, I don't need any of that. So I, I drove there overnight, slept in a McDonald's parking lot, did the interview. And they're like, so then the topic of money came up. I'm like, Hey, whatever you're offering, that's a little low. I believe, uh, you know, I should get a little bit more. And they're like, well, that's what it pays. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe if you weren't spending all this money on all these hotel rooms, you could oh. give me a little more. <laughs> and said, you uh, really said that? It's in a friendlier tone. They bought me lunch. Yeah. I was eating a, a, a chicken sandwich or something. I forget mm-hmm. what they bought, but then I just went on my merry way. After the interview, I I kind of hung out in Cleveland for a little bit, and then I went home. But it, I I don't, you know, spending money is a is a instilled in me that like you shouldn't be doing that i guess like the immigrant parent side of me is like if you don't need to put spend money on it don't do it so there's just something in me that's like yeah you don't need to do that fiscal responsibility <laughs> in sandro and almost to the extent now we got to talk about the apartment because this has become legendary if you follow sandro anello at only sandro on twitter which you pretty much have to at this point and uh, he'll give you free stickers. What's the deal with stickers? What, what, why do you give away stickers? I, I, I don't understand. I wish I had a good answer. Uh, <laughs> look, 
you just slide in my DMs or, you know, you, you can stickers. you can text me 216-532-5122. Send me your address and I will what? mail you a sticker. What in the hell do you give your phone number out on this shit? You're is wild. I am the most private seek. Like, I just want like I'm public out there when I'm done. This mic goes off. I want to be just in a in a cave or a hole somewhere. Sandra wants to be Sandro's in a hole when he's on the air. And then he wants to be out on the billboard all the rest of the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't bother me during my shift. I, yeah. I really don't look at my phone, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, if you want to text or you want to DM me, like uh, I will. You don't do underdog drafts. Like some of our producers do. <laughs> I, I do it secretly because I was oh, okay. technically on the clock during your show. Yeah. <laughs> we caught Phil. That's why uh, I thought that was pretty funny during the show uh, just the other day uh, doing an underdog draft. But uh, all right. So you, you, the apartment, you will not move. It's it's pr- we make it seem like it's a lot worse than it actually is. But, man, you get your water shut off almost every single day. They will say there's no garbage collection. They will steal your FedEx boxes when they get delivered. Uh, to the mailbox. I mean, this place, and there's always an assortment of garbage that people just leave in the hallways. So question is, why won't you ever leave? What, why are you drawn to stay in this building? Well, I'm waiting for you to list negatives. Oh, okay. Uh, the no, neg- I, uh, it's a good part of town. I, I, will, uh, I will say I won't move mainly, and this is the dumbest reason. I, I've had a consistent internet connection the whole time. And when it comes uh-huh. to work, I am deathly afraid that if I move, mm-hmm. I will go to an area that has internet issues and then I will be a burden on the show. Like Ray or Ted? No comment. No. <laughs> Who has better internet, Ray or Ted? Uh, I, I would say Ray, but that's mainly because of the devices that they're using to be on the show. I don't want to get too techie for the people because they might not notice, but they're, they're speaking through different devices. That yeah, I could uh, I could attest that. What's the uh, funniest thing you've ever seen in the hallway that somebody's left in your hallway of your apartment complex? Oh wow! Uh, I mean, the pictures are online, right? So whenever yeah. I see something, I mean, I'm pretty much t- tweeting them immediately. Does anybody in your do they know that you do this? Does anybody in that building have any idea that they're uh, that famous? I I don't I don't think so. Also, I I'm not like going like floor to floor the the majority of this stuff is just my floor this is a nine story building (laughs) and this is just like hey i gotta go to the store which i don't leave often but when i do it's like oh there's a bassoon and or there's like like a cradle or like here's someone's end piece uh you know there's just whatever you could think of it's been in this hallway and uh, I take pictures and it's, you know, it's been, it's been a staple of my social media feed. It's too good. So you don't have a, a personal, why don't you sell this stuff? I've always told you those shopping carts specifically, you could even take that to a metal scrapyard and make some real cash on it. Again, Ted Schuster, when I, yeah. when I tweeted out the barber, like the heavy oh, duty about it. yeah. barber shops uh, chair, like that's probably the craziest thing. Cause that one's actually worth money and someone just left it out there. And why would you have a bar, like a high quality barber chair in, in this building? Uh, but that's probably the craziest thing. Cause like Ted said, he's like, snag that you could sell it. 
I mean, like I, my roommate won't be happy that I'm saying this on the pod, but like our coffee table is from the hallway. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, and they leave good stuff out there. What do you want it to do? I mean, you know, you get, you get a nice coffee table. Fuck it. You might as well take it. Yeah, this place is like a dorm. I, I kind of treat it like I'm, I'm still in a dorm. I mean, a lot of the antics yeah. that go on here is like what it was in college for me. So I, I can live, I mean, I lived in a van, Jeff. So like, I'm not going to be upset that my place doesn't have water. I already dealt with that life. I mean, I used to have to pee in like tall water bottles. So uh-huh. I'm cool with like using buckets around my house. Now the roommate, not so much. She's more of a, uh, you know, right. normal person. So, uh, you know, there's times where we have a difference in opinion, but at, at the end of the day, I really just feel like, you know, going back to the beginning of the pod, basically like, some people have it worse than us. So let's just get through this and we'll figure it out afterwards. It's always, Sandra's always got good perspective for sure. But sometime I want to break through and make sure and get you to realize you deserve better. You deserve more. And it's okay. Just because you don't have it the worst of everybody doesn't mean you're bad or don't deserve better. That's something that's what years of therapy will be. There's a, there's $50,000 worth of therapy lessons right there in one false swoop, everybody. Uh, real quick, uh, favorite stories from working on the Elite Sports Show. Sandra, what do you get? Any crazy story? What's the angriest I've ever What am I like, by the way, am I to deal with on a regular basis? Am I just the worst? I, I'll start with that. No, I, um, okay. I, People would assume that you're the worst. Do they, do do people ask and you don't have to tell me now, but do they say, Oh God, what's oh, man's must be. uh." Yeah. You know, that's kind of, that's literally kind of how people treat uh, you when they speak (laughs) to me about you. But no, I, I will say like, I don't have any like crazy war stories about working with you because again, like, you're uh, you're like a, a professor in a way, right? Like when you look at the the whole year, and sorry if I'm giving away like your trade secrets. I mean, Jeff oh, no. has the layout. He has the goal. He knows what he's going to be hitting. And then we just fill the cracks with like recent news and like breaking news. And like, you know, if if we have a segment dedicated to running back styles or whatever, you know, uh, backfields or like coaching breakdowns, but like, a big thing comes out, we'll push that and we'll talk about the big story. So working with you, it's, it's great that you understand that we don't have to hit all eight segments that have been pre-planned for hours and whatnot. So I don't have anything crazy with you. Now there's been some times where we've like maybe butted heads over, like if a guest was booked for the show and maybe not someone that we really targeted, but was kind of put on us because you do have a popular show. And sometimes you got to fill these quotas. And then that guest is late and then ruins the whole flow of the first segment. And then you're like, well, I'm not breaking early. And this is you speaking clearly (laughs) on air, chatting me like you have separate brains. And Uh so we're going to war while you're still giving out great advice. Uh, (laughs) That's Look, true. I mean, that's 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 just the industry. So do you remember what that guest was? I, do. I remember that. time. Who was it? Who was the guest we we're supposed to have? Uh, you, re- you really want me to say it? Yeah, we won't get in trouble. It's I mean, that's a long time ago. It was like a year ago, Jeff. Yeah, oh, I, I remember the time, but I don't remember who it was. Is Byron Lambert. 
Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right. Byron. Yeah, but Byron was like traveling. That was during uh, pod or the um, training camp, right? Yes. Or was yep. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. I mean, you just couldn't make it on time. Well, I mean, I think even yeah, Byron gets it. You know, there's a, there's a vibe to the show. And I sometimes those things just work out. And that's where it's, it's like where I come from on that. It's like, all right, we have a plan. And, you know, just because, to the, you know, we're doing the show for the listeners. We're trying to do what's best for them and what their schedule is. That, that's something that I really try to be aware of at all times. That's why I have my unique, we'll call it unique breaking schedule, which everybody hates. You could confirm that, right? Like every manager, every other, every producer, pretty much, they hate the way I take breaks, right? It, it's definitely when we have new people and like interns, we say, uh, don't, don't follow this. Uh, yeah, I, do I don't, and, but I don't have a problem with it because I, you as the host have an understanding of the clock. Like you're using the clock as a broadcasting tool and other hosts, not saying that this is a serious XM thing or like, you know, anywhere, but like when I was in local, I had a host that just didn't know what time it was ever. And that's a difference. <laughs> that host yeah. is swimming in an ocean with no idea which way is safety and where land is while Jeff is like purposely in the danger zone where there's sharks, but he's like, yeah, but I just have to go that way. That's West. And that's where all this <laughs> stuff is. So you, you understand that you're not supposed to be in this area, but you know how to get back to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And the way, I mean, I've talked about it before. I don't break until like a half an hour into the, cause people get out of their jobs on the hour and they're in their car. The most, all the research from Sirius X. I mean, I stood up to the highest of the high at Sirius about this. And even they, they can't deny the point that you're in your car at like four o'clock, you are driving home for a 25 minute average commute why not be live for that whole 20 minutes and take the breaks later on later in the hour. If you have to be at work by five o'clock, let's say, or, you know, you have an hour commute that you're getting out of the car, 10 minutes, five minutes before you go in. So you're only listening. You're not listening to those last few minutes, at least for the most part. So that it's, there's a reason. And Howard Stern has talked about this. Steve Dahl has talked about this. Uh, a lot of different broadcasters have brought that up. And it's ironic that they've all been really successful in the ratings as well. So that's why I do it. It's not just like, well, I just don't want to, and I'd want to be different. There's a method to the madness, but it puts a lot of stress on Phil and Sandra. I will say that. And then, yeah, when we have new people come in, they are just, you know, they don't know what the fuck to do. And, uh, and it's very difficult. It puts a lot of pressure on them for those end of hour breaks or something like that. Have you, you ever have me and Ted fought? Cause Ted and I have fought several times on and off the air. Have you ever been present for one of those? I, I think there was one time, but again, like it, earlier in my career where I was at Sirius and it's like, okay, let them fight. Like I've been there when hosts have actually fought like in person. And there used to be a, a chair war at my local job where one host didn't like the other host or his chair. So their chairs would end up on random floors. And like, oh. so I've, I've seen it face to face. So when it's just voices coming through a box, that's yeah. when I kind of like, all right, I could not pay attention to this and I could take care of a promo or I could start like filing like important stuff that like my post work. I, you know, let the, let the big, 
the big dogs fight because I got to do other stuff on my end. So I, I've never, I don't have any story that like really sticks out. Any diva stories from me? Because I've been known to be a diva here and there. Uh, again, nothing sticks out because I, I have dealt with bigger divas than you. Oh and my so that's amazing. Uh, yeah. So a, a host needs to have a certain quality. A good host needs to have a certain quality. Again, my role is as the producer, I only need to worry about personality, information, and everything while we're on air. So off air stuff, if you want me to get you a coffee with lemons in it, <laughs> I mean, I'll get you the coffee with lemons. It's a weird combination, but hey, that's what my host needs to give the best product to the subscribers. And, and a lot of what I do and the way that my brain works is, I really just care about the user experience. Like there's a reason why you're paying for Sirius XM or you're paying yeah. for fan, you know, uh, fantasy guru and, and, and the everything like the you're, you're looking for a certain product. So at a certain point, if you're not getting it, you're not going to pay for it. I mean, this is coming from a guy that won't pay for a hotel room because he thinks sleep is fine on a bench outside of a train station. So like, I, I just think that like, okay, no, not that hotels aren't worth it, but in this instance, I don't need it. But there are instances where I do need it. So I'm going to make sure I pay top dollar and get the best possible thing. So that's my job. I have to get the best Jeff out to all the listeners. That's uh, that's the way to do it. That's why uh, you're good at what you do. A great producer because you understand that. The listener experience, I think it's something that goes overlooked and people don't understand it so much. But as a lifelong radio connoisseur myself or consumer, I suppose, uh, I get it. What all you have to go through while listening in there. So what well, real quick, we'll end on this. Sandro is the birthday algorithm. Why the birthdays? What got you into the birthday prediction business? How did this all come about and uh, who should we count on for 2022? So stats are great and coaching breakdowns are great, <laughs> but at the end of the day, this is a very emotional sport. Speaking about football, I mean, we're applying it to other sports at the moment. At baseball, Jorge Blanco, for example, the last yeah. couple of days has been great. Yeah. Uh, but for football, it's a very emotional sport. And we have seen where the data and coaching breakdowns and cornerback wide receiver matchups, they're, they're perfect. A-plus matchups, and then they don't work out, right? That's just the game. It just that happens. So I look at it as this is another level of putting emotion into the game that we already say is an emotional game. And there are what I believe in certain instances where some people, not me, but some people look at their birthday as a special day, as a holiday. So we have, I kind of like to look at it as like some of these players might, or like I love to look at Russell Wilson as the type of person that will try to make someone's day better, even if they aren't a birthday guy. And why I say Russell Wilson is because a couple of years ago, I believe David Moore on the Seahawks was like one catch away from getting an incentive. And there's this article that came out that Russell Wilson, like audible late in the game when they should have been running to yeah. give David Moore this extra pass to get his, his bonus. So that that's an emotional feeling, a connection between two players. So the, the birthday narrative for me is kind of just the extra topping on like the ice cream Sunday, right? It's the sprinkles. It's just like, here's another reason to just look at a player in a different way. Um, and, you know, I would say last year was when I really highlighted it and we, we saw some great 
weeks, like Jordan Howard coming off of the practice squad, scoring, I believe, multiple touchdowns on his birthday. But then we've also seen a flop. But Mike Williams, I don't remember what week last week, but uh, last year, but he had the perfect matchup. He was going to be at its garbage corners and he didn't do anything. He, he might not even have gotten a reception. So, you know, it's not, it's not the perfect system, but this year I'm also <laughs> uh, trying to include revenge game narratives where uh, players have played hometown narratives, um, including coaches. I believe last uh-huh. year for when Freddie kitchens took over for the giants, they yes. might've won the week that he took over. I, I, you know, I, a lot of this information goes in and out after the week is done, but <laughs> there, there's uh, it's just something extra to do because honestly, like I really do like the product that you put out there and, and I, I believe it's mainly because I do work with you and I understand what you're putting into it. I buy into a lot of your philosophies. So why am I going to go up against you? Who's already, I mean, you're watching film right now from last year. Like, (laughs) sorry, people, I'm not doing that. I'm actually in the lab. Yeah. I'm just writing down birthdays and I, you know, I created my own calendar that starts in September and uh, you know, so yeah, that that's really where it comes from. It's just to add an extra level of like, yeah, it's probably useless, but it's my work and it's what I like to spend my time on and I like to share it. Well, I, I, I personally, I really don't think it's that outlandish. It's kind of funny, obviously kitschy and stuff, but it's not crazy because when the, you mentioned the Russell Wilson, we remember Tom Brady getting both uh, Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski, their incentives a couple of years back as well. This happens a lot. And a lot more than you think. These are locker rooms. And these are, we have this terrible thing in this fantasy industry uh, and betting industry of thinking everybody's just a number. And we're all just like some sort of avatar with a so or overall rating system. And that's not the way it works. And real people making real decisions in football, that quarterback, the, the play callers got immense power. The quarterback with the ball in his hands got immense power and he could deliver it wherever the fuck he wants. And if he wants to get his boy who he roomed with and everything else to touch on his birthday, he's going to fucking do it. I don't, it is definitely not the, you know, a uh, stupid way. I think it is worth looking at. It's just as good to look at that as it is to look at shit like, you know, yards after the catch or something like that. That's well, what does that mean after the catch? Is he just wide open? Is he running free? You know, there's a lot of stuff in there. It's just, it's worth it. Does it mean everything in the world? No, but I don't think they have the birthday narrative or bobblehead narrative. Some of these narratives that where it's that guy's special day is all that crazy. So I'm, I'm not against it in any way. It's why we, uh, we do it by the way. I'm like Cortland Sutton's birthday is on October 10th. I just, I don't know how that just stuck out to me or whatever. So I just, while we were talking, I had to look up whether he's playing on 10th. That's the Monday night game. He's not, it, it is two AFC West teams, but it's Kansas city, Las Vegas, but he plays on Thursday that week. So way before his birthday, I don't know. Would that count? Is that still birthday week narrative? If, if he's playing on the sixth and his birthday's on the 10th, does that still work? So the way birthday narrative works is one, the season, like, our regular calendar starts in January. No football is it's September is the first month of the year. Uh, and the C the, the birthday week starts on Tuesday. Like we look, we, we kind of shifted days a little bit um, because the Thursday game uh, with, so Cortland Sutton real quick, what day did you say it is? It's a couple 10th. of days before or after his, October 10th is Monday. 
And he plays at the sixth. So Cortland Sutton, again, we were using the Russell Wilson uh, part here. This is where we add a little human level to it. I mm-hmm. would say it's a little bit further out, but it also gives more time for Russell Wilson to be like, oh, wait, did your birthday, your birthday just passed earlier this week? Oh, okay, yeah, let's let's do something about, you know, like that's, yeah. but if it's a rookie quarterback who's not really familiar with his crew, I will put more weight to it when it's closer to the date. And especially if like, the team actually tweets out the birthday, right? That then that means it's kind of known that right. like it's it's this superstar's birthday. So th- there's a little bit of wiggle room. I I like to, I like it to be within two days normally, but depending on who the other pieces are, who's throwing the ball, if it's a superstar versus a a not as big piece in the offense, and I only focus on offense because defense they have no control over where the ball is being thrown or anything. Uh, yeah, so Cortland Sutton with Russell Wilson within that week, I would there's a there's an argument that it could be the week before or the week after. Yeah, I would uh, uh man, I was hoping for it would be on that Monday night. Two AFC West teams playing on Monday night football, but not the Broncos, not Cortland Sutton. Well, we'll have birthday narratives all season long on Elite Sports this fit this football season. Would have we figured out our burrito bet yet? Sandro, do you, are you, you know, we've been joking, but I, you, you knew that you and I were going to bet Jacksonville Houston last year, pretty much by June. So do you, do you realize what our bets going to be this year, this year in week one or not? Today's events have kind of clouded that a little bit. Uh, I, I, I was big. I was big into Carolina will beat the Browns week one. And mm-hmm. there was other factors with that. I mean, this was with the, the, when I thought this one up, and I started to like put it together. Uh, this was like you said, June, maybe even May of like, okay, I could see week one upset of Carolina versus a Deshaun Watson, kind of like the Browns Brownsing with, you know, their, their big high dollar guy. Uh, but now with the, who knows if Watson's playing still, we don't know. And they just got Baker. I feel like now it's too much on the radar, right? Like that's mm-hmm. saying that Baker is going to win the revenge game. It, there's just too much narrative. So I, I'm still on that because that's where most of my, uh, my research has led me prior to today, but there's a chance uh, I will change before the season. I'm trying to escape the AFC South as well, which, and again, like we talk about this with daily, that's like if it, if it works, why change it? Right. But at the same time, like if I'm just going to pick the Texans, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Houston plays Indy. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that fits into the upset criteria in a way. I don't know. I have, I've kind of have to look at week one again. There's always the Seattle beating Russell Wilson at Seattle, Denver. There's always that on Monday night, week one. So something Uh, to think about. Well, so I thought of that game. I actually think Russ is going to let, Seattle think they're going to win, but Uh then he's going to have to win for his new team. Cause again, he, he has feelings for everyone. He loves everyone. He wants, he's, he's going to create this narrative where, or he's going to play in a way where Seattle's in it up until like the last five minutes, it's gonna be like a close game and it's gonna be great. But ultimately he's got a, he's got to win for the Broncos. So. Well, you're not going to go Atlanta over new Orleans. I know that. Yeah, maybe I, I usually root against the saints, not root uh, against them, but like, I, I don't trust you'll them. bet against them just yeah. in case. Yeah. yeah. The hedge your emotions. I win both ways. Yeah. 
Right. That's the way to do it. Uh, that's the Jeff Mann's philosophy, at least. All right. Well, we've kept him long enough, everybody. The great Sandro Anello. Follow him on Twitter at only Sandro and uh, text him on the number on his Twitter feed for stickers of his adorable face and try tweet at him to try to get him to move as well. If you guys can, let's never meant as much peer pressure as humanly possible. You get to hear Sandro every week day afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Elite Sports. They also host the uh, Fantasy Dirt Show from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern every single day. I won't put him on record of which he likes better because that would be just mean and cruel and pretty much hurtful to me. So I won't do that right here. But folks, appreciate each and every one of you downloading, listening to this week's episode so very, very much. Once again, 2022 Fantasy Football Draft Guides on sale now. FantasyGuru.com, that's the place to go. So this podcast is brought to you by UnderdogFantasy.com. Get over there, draft with me. I'll be doing drafts all weekend. My coaching breakdowns, that's my big writing project of the preseason that is done. So I'm going to be draft happy over at UnderdogFantasy.com. Got to use the promo code ELITE, E-L-I-T-E to get in draft against me, Armando Marsal, Tyler Beaker, and the Russell Clay and the entire elite mafia and fantasy guru team. So check that out, everybody. Uh, as well, get in on August 19th. We've got the fantasy football training camp. It is a full day long of fantasy football goodness, uh, lectures and seminars and presentations. And you find out about the X's and O's and about coaching systems and draft strategies and daily fantasy and seasonal fantasy and betting on the NFL, get a, a poker game with prizes at the end of that on that Friday night. You also get an entry to the elite mafia fantasy football championship for 2022, our first ever elite mafia championship league with prizes for leagues and overall titles as well. It's free for those who attend the fantasy football training camp. That ticket is free with the all in package over at fantasyguru.com hit that join now button up in the right hand corner that's going to do it for episode 118 I want to thank the great sandro and nello now we know you peel back the onion i feel like we could have done another hour and a half quite frankly with my guy but we'll let him go episode 118 in the books thank you for downloading subscribing and uh, telling a friend you may uh, disagree with some or everything that you heard on today's episode and that's perfectly all right ladies and gentlemen why it was one man's opinion. See you next time, everybody. Deuces!